Welcome to another edition of the Strategist Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Almeida, MFS Global Investment Strategist. This episode focuses on AI, and I'm thrilled to be joined by MFS US and Global Large Cap Growth Portfolio Manager, Brad Mack. Our discussion will focus less on the science behind artificial intelligence or language learning models and more on the commercial application of the science and how it impacts stocks. Profits drive stocks. Thus, how this new technology will impact how companies run their businesses will be ultimately what matters. What revenue streams are at risk, what costs can be taken out, what productivity may be gained, and how all this ultimately affects profit and loss statements. I hope you enjoy. The views expressed are those of the speaker and are subject to change at any time. These views are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a recommendation to purchase any security or as an offer of securities or investment advice. No forecast can be guaranteed. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Brad, welcome. Thanks for having me, Rob. So starting at a high level, how are, what are you hearing from companies? How are they talking about AI? And then I guess most importantly, how are you and the investors thinking about AI in, in your portfolios? That's a great question. I think just at 30,000 feet, you know, I think the consensus is this is a tectonic shift in technology. It's yep. akin, you've heard it mentioned multiple times to creation of the internet, right. um, the invention of the mobile phone. So anytime there's a, a big pivot in a technology platform, there's always more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. And I would just say right now, there is a bit of a frenzy. It feels very similar to 1999, right. where every company attached.com, the early 2010s where every company said they were a cloud company. Every company's narrative is now how AI is gonna help them. You know, from, from our standpoint, our job is really to sift through that noise yeah. and understand how this is gonna impact industries and companies over the next three to five years. So what we've been trying to do is really think about Every industry and company, just where is it most obvious where companies are going to win? Mm-hmm. Which companies, industries where it's at least neutral, if not going to help them? And then more importantly, which companies potentially are going to be at risk uh, from a business model, profit, margins, all of that. Yeah. Let's talk about category three. So a couple of years ago or earlier when we were doing these podcasts, uh, C.V. Rao, who you know very well and work closely with, uh, was a guest, and he talked about you know, Internet 1.0 or Web 1.0 companies, which you know you referenced earlier. Then Internet 2.0, and then ultimately Web 3.0. But his point was it resonated with me, and I think a lot of the listeners was 75% of the companies that exist currently, call it the Web 2.0 era today, didn't exist back then. Sort of the the Schumpeter creative destruction. Innovators get innovated. So that company three or that category three category, without mentioning any names, is there any maybe obvious points or obvious relative industries or anything like that 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 you can share with us? Yeah. So I think what's what we're going to see over the next three to five years is is companies that were formed over the last 10 to 20 years Mm -hmm. have incumbent profit pools that they need to defend. And they are going to look for ways to use AI to help at least protect that and then try to augment it. What we saw coming out of the internet era and the mobile era is there will be hundreds, if not thousands of new companies funded. Most of them will not scale, but a handful probably will come that we are not thinking about today. So what we're trying to figure out is what does AI do? It really is a set of computer programs that helps make things more efficient, workflows, uh, repetitive tasks, and it's getting more and more intelligent. So we are just thinking about businesses that 
charge per seat or rely on labor as their business model. And we're not sure in the near term, but in the long term, there are questions. There is deflationary pressure on labor. Does that just mean less seats to sell to with a software-based business model? Or if your your business is hiring people to implement outsourced services, if some of that gets automated away, what does that mean for your business? How are you going to pivot? Yeah. So then it, it just comes back to blocking and tackling. What does a company do? How do they do it? And, and can they keep doing it? And what's the durability of that? Is that sounds like that's what you're talking about. 100%. We're always focused on what is the rate of growth and the duration of growth of a business and how durable is right, that? Right. Because that rate of growth is obviously, obviously a function of value proposition. And if that value proposition is now being duplicated by AI, LLM, whatever it might be, that revenue stream goes away. That's, that's right. And if you take a, a, a generic enterprise software company today, they sell some sort of software to help automate a workflow. Yeah. They are um, introducing AI features and functionalities somewhat like a co-pilot, and they want to charge more for that. Yep. We don't know how much the customers will be willing to pay for that. Probably something for the productivity enhancement. But on the flip side is if your Fortune 500 company says, we don't need 5% of our headcount anymore because it's getting audited in May, that is a headwind offsetting a potential tailwind. Right. So we don't know, is that neutral? Is it positive or negative? And so yeah. these are the questions we're asking company by company within each industry on the implications. Yeah. So maybe this is an out-of-bounds question, but taking a step back. So coming out of the global financial crisis, central banks took rates to zero, quantitative easing. So you had an environment where a lot of businesses were were fungible just because capital costs were so low. And, and maybe some of these companies that came out of it were at risk, but just at a high level, it just seemed like so much capital was divested from physical assets, plant, property, equipment, into let's call it intangible software, et cetera. And almost now, it just seems like we're flipping the script, right? So supply chains are shortening. You have you know industrial companies that sell uh, parts and services to help companies reduce greenhouse gas emissions, et cetera. And that capital has to come from somewhere. And so maybe if I'm putting these two things together here, we have an environment where rates are no longer zero. Those companies might not be fungible. Now you add in this dynamic that you're talking about with AI possibly duplicating their revenue streams. Is that an unfair? I think it's a fair set of observations and questions. And I, I see it as two parallel drivers of secular growth. Okay. So a lot of the hard asset type topics you brought, onshoring, reshoring, strengthening supply chain, that has to happen from a, a right. supply chain resiliency, from a national security, uh, from a just geographic diversity. It has to happen. Yeah, AI has to happen. The ship has sailed. So if you are a company facing potential disruption and you do not invest in an AI roadmap, you will eventually yep. be disintermediated. So it is table stakes. What we saw the last decade was just low rates, free money. And we saw a lot of businesses that were funded in fintech and biotech. A lot of that has evaporated, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of dry powder sitting at VCs and PE firms, and they are funding you know this next wave of AI companies. Right, right, right. So let's go back to category two. So companies that maybe on the neutral end, that whether they are levered to AI from the standpoint of they're, they're selling products or services uh, alongside that, or maybe it's companies that are 
benefiting because they're getting more productivity. How, how are you thinking about that that bucket? So it's it's a, I think it's a broad bucket and it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Literally week to week, month to month, depending on what companies are communicating about their AI strategy. As investors, we historically have always tried to lean on the suppliers or the picks and shovels yep. that are providing the required, whether that's the capital or the compute or the hardware or the semiconductor tools required to enable this. And so yeah. that's where we focused on at least neutral to positive. And then as we move up the stack, there's a broader set of questions where it's, it's you can't just make a broad statement. Right. This is good or this is bad. It is company specific. And so this is where active management comes in. This is yeah. where a global research platform comes in. This is where interviewing companies doing comparisons across geography really matters to sift through and figure out who who has the right roadmap, where does it make sense where they're going to win versus those that are just sort of putting out a lot of press releases where there's no substance there. So as, as all these companies, all these tech companies are, are talking about AI and delivering a value proposition, are there ways to channel check? Because you have to take them at their word and ultimately you want to see it through the income statement, but are there ways to learn that who has a competitive technology that will be commercially successful? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll give you some real time examples of what we've been doing at okay. MFS. So we've had not only, you know, companies that are perceived winners where we're talking to the companies, you see it in the numbers today. Yep. But it's the companies where we have questions about, you know, category three. Well, what are you doing? How are you thinking about it? How will this actually benefit you? We are talking through industry channel checks around that. We're talking to old line companies that historically maybe wouldn't have participated in this technology shift and asking them, what is your AI roadmap? How is this going to implement and maybe change how you run customer service or product development in healthcare and life sciences? Right. That creates a mosaic of information that helps you understand the duration and rate across sectors at a deeper level than just sort of, you know, going to conferences or see, you know reading press releases of what companies are saying. Well, it just seems like circling back to your comments earlier about about the 90s where you're right, anything that had .com or .net attached to it skyrocketed. And then there was also a second derivative impact on the real economy. So it wasn't just xyz.com that went out of business, but it was the people that worked there, uh, the supplies they were buying. So there's a, a real economic impact, but you can reverse engineer that, right? So if you're talking to a staples company or a financials company, it's, you know, what's your, or how are you thinking about AI and who are vendors that you would work with? And you can maybe use that to circle back yep. to right, <laughs> who has a value proposition that's durable. Yep, exactly. Got it. So, Brett, regarding the economy, so Amera's law posits that as a society, we tend to overestimate a new technology. You pointed out that, you know, we did that in the 90s, but then we underestimate it uh, in, in the out years or over the, the, the longer term. Because you're not just uh, a technology investor, you're a generalist. So you have to think across your portfolio and how this impacts so many. So how are you and your partners and the team just maybe thinking about it from a real economic standpoint and across your portfolios? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, at the beginning, we talked about winners, neutral, and losers. Yeah. I think in general, for the rest of the economy outside of traditional technology, it's a net neutral to beneficiary. Because what it's going to do is drive more efficiency throughout every organization. So that could be labor. It could just be time spent. And so what I think will happen, and you're already seeing this, is innovation, the pace of innovation should continue to accelerate. A couple examples. So there's 
life science companies, pharmaceutical companies that are using AI to help with drug discovery and molecules. Yep. So it right. is just reducing the time to drug discovery. So that takes costs out of the system. Yeah. Speed to market. Speed to market. Okay. You're, this, you're gonna see the same thing with content creation, whether that's images or video or creative. And then employees will spend less time doing mundane tasks mm -hmm. and spend more time thinking critically and adding value to you know services and products that will drive revenue for companies. So I think in general, as we look sector by sector, we think this should be you know more likely a tailwind than a headwind. Now on, on the flip side, so it's a productivity enhancer, and, and just in a lot of clients I talk to, I, I think there's just a broad assumption that it's a net positive in aggregate for everyone, and it probably is when you average it out. But correct me if I'm wrong. So this new technology, it's probably not gonna save a a company with terminal value problems already, right? So a company that was chugging along throughout the 2010s because they were offshoring labor, benefiting from low interest rates. Now these things get exposed with labor costs elevated, capital costs elevated. Is AI going to protect a struggling company in a recessionary time? Maybe in the short term, mm -hmm. they can maybe cut costs faster and survive a little longer. But if we think innovation will move forward faster, it would exacerbate the weaknesses of their structural positioning in an industry. So their that, that would be my guess. Competitiveness will get even, it should, get, yeah, right. it should widen. Right, that makes sense. Bringing it back to, so not just importance of selectivity, those three categories, category one, two, and three, they talked about within tech, but actually on, on, a, on a much broader level, right across the S&P or across the Russell 1000 growth, across indices broadly. Yeah, and I, I don't think we're gonna have answers in the next you know, couple of years. This is gonna take yeah. three, five, 10 years to see it play out in tangible ways outside of what we're seeing you know, more concentrated in the technology sector. But I think we're still in early innings. All of the news flow and capital flows is really concentrated in these larger cap technology companies that are just, it is an arms race now yeah. to spend and invest to get this technology up to a certain level of accuracy and reliability, add in the regulatory framework. And then there's a long tail of companies as they figure out yeah. how this helps them. And, and in a lot of cases, it may just be incremental, right? It's, right? it's turning a conversation into a PowerPoint presentation. So it's not transformational, it's, yeah. uh, it's incremental. What is amazing, just you know, so you had that productivity boost in the 90s when we put computers on every desktop and connected them all through wires and now it's negative it went away so it be careful what you think you know yeah right future has no facts i think what's exciting you know it's been a crazy last couple of years and i think coming into this year you know i think the thought was we went through covid there was winners and then we got out of COVID and then there was a COVID hangover. Companies mm -hmm. that sort of participated in this and sort of extrapolated all the trends that were happening. There's this digestion. And there was a thought maybe we're in the later innings of a lot of these technology shifts that have happened over the last 10 years, whether it was in e-commerce or payments or yeah. digital advertising. And AI, the reason why it, it's, it happened so fast, literally, you know, in, in the span of six months and the speed of it and just the ubiquity of it, right? Everyone can touch and feel this at home on using no chat GPT, it's creating another leg of growth for the economy and for these companies, which wasn't here, you know, at least apparent six to 12 months ago. Right. And so that's right. what's different now. Yeah. Interesting. Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
So while an AI gold rush is underway, it's in early days and investors have a lot to take on board. Thanks to Brad for helping us think about the potential risks and rewards of AI in a variety of tech and non-tech businesses. And thanks to you for listening. For more insights, subscribe to the Strategist Corner podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.